And it may sound strange to you, but God gives peace and comfort through understanding of that. One of the things that's tearing people up, and I'm going to show you a man in the Bible that got tore up because he wouldn't give vengeance to God tonight. And it'll tear you up, your life up, if you don't let God have what belongs to him in this thing of vengeance. So, uh, we'll start off tonight in 1 Thessalonians chapter chapter uh, 1, and we're going to read that text again. Then we're going to go to a couple other passages, guys, that, uh, that we'll take. But let's begin to read. And uh, verse, we're going to pick it up in verse number 4, where Paul's telling these believers, this church at Thessalonica, uh, he understands they're going through persecutions and trials and a lot of trouble. So that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which ye also suffer. They were suffering for the cause of Christ. And then he says, this, he brings in this issue of the vengeance of God. Verse number six, seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. Now, I'll tell you tonight, I'd hate to be a person that persecuted the church. Amen. Now, the apostle Paul, whose name was Saul, went about to kill people. And I'll tell you, if Paul hadn't turned on the road to Damascus, he was in trouble with God. The vengeance of God would have been on him, but he turned and let God save him and averted that vengeance of God upon him. But God says right here, he's going to recompense tribulation on them that trouble you. So you see the word judgment in verse number five. You see the word recompense in verse number six. And then in verse seven, to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Now he is bringing us to the place of, of uh, in time, vengeance of God. He's moving beyond the temporal situation where they were at, and he's taking them and said, you know, by the way, how long has it been since those people suffered? It's been toward 1900 years right now, and yet the, the event of his vengeance for them that's recorded in this past scripture has not happened yet. Amen. But God, somebody said one time to me, I heard him say that God's judgment wheel grinds exceedingly slow, but exceedingly fine. It will not miss anything. In our estimation, it may seem like the judgment of God is forbearing for a long time, and by the way, it does. God is long-suffering, not willing that any perish, but that all come to repentance. But you see this thing coming. He said, the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking, there's this word, vengeance and upon, on them that know not God, and they'll obey not the gospel of Jesus, of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you have the word judgment, the word uh, recompense, the word vengeance, and now verse number nine, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord. And that's when they're cast into the lake of fire in Revelation chapter 20, verses 14, 15, and Revelation 21, verse number eight, from the glory of his power. Verse number 10 says, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe because our testimony among you was believed in that day. And so he's comforted them with this fact that they can, they, can, they can rest and they can know 
that payday is coming someday. And he is giving them this great Bible doctrine to avert the tendency that's so strong in us to want to take vengeance ourselves. Now, we're going to look at some scriptures tonight, and then we're going to talk about, uh, so let's go to, would you guys put up Romans chapter 2 and verse number 2, Romans chapter 2, verses 2 through 6, and we'll look at a few passages of scripture there, Romans chapter 2, verses 2 through 6, and uh, we'll read this. It says there in verse number 2, for we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth. That's an important thing. My judgment might not have all the truth or know all the facts behind a situation. In fact, I don't have all knowledge. I don't know everything. I don't know the whole story about anything, you know, that, that might occur. But we said we're sure that God's, the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. Now, those things that they were committing is listed in Romans chapter 1. By the way, which the foundation of most of it is evolution and uh, uh, moving itself in toward a perverse society of sodomy and so forth. And then he lists actually from verse number 29 through 32 of Romans chapter 1, he lists all kinds of wickedness and sin. So what's he saying? These sins, these people are not always going to get by with this. If they don't repent and believe the gospel and let Jesus take the punishment for their sin, they will receive punishment. And he lists a lot of sins there that he's referring to when he says, which commit such things. Now, verse number three says, And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? God's dealing with hypocrisy here. He's saying, you know, you might pick out your little list of sins, but if you have sins that you don't, you're not going to judge them, and then you do the same thing, you think you're going to escape the judgment of God. Don't fool yourself about this. Number, verse number four, watch verse number four. Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness? You know the reason I'm not in hell tonight is because the riches of his goodness. And the reason even a lost man is not in hell right now is because of the richness of God's goodness. And the forbearance. Look at that word forbearance. God is forbearing, long-suffering, forbearing, holding it back. And long-suffering. And they, that not knowing, they despise, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Now watch verse number five. Here it is. But after thy hardness and impenitent heart, treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God. This is the same event that he's talking about in Second Thessalonians chapter one that we just got through reading. Who will render to every man according to his deeds. Now we're going to jump down to verse number eight just to save some time. And he talks about them that obey not the truth in verse number eight. And to them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath. That's what's coming to them. Tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. And then he moves on. Let's go to verse number 11. For there is no respecter of persons uh, with God. And, uh, for, and I want you to go to verse 16. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. So we've got this issue now about, uh, about God is a God who's going to bring everything, whether it's secret or open, he's going to bring it all into judgment. He's no respecter of persons. And those who are not, do not repent are treasuring up to themselves wrath. It's the wrath of God is building up against them. The case is being built continuously the longer they live. 
and the longer they refuse Christ. Now we're going to go to Deuteronomy. And guys, this is where the list I gave this morning. We're going to do a little perusal through the Bible here on the subject of vengeance. Now the whole goal that God is after tonight in you and I is this doctrine. Here it is. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. Why does God want that? First of all, he's God. He's sovereign. He knows the whole story. He knows the whole situation. He is the only one who is truly just and can render true and righteous judgment. Secondly, he does not want us encumbered or tormented by the attempt at personal vengeance. And I'm going to show you a man in the Bible who was tormented even unto suicide because he tried to have personal vengeance in the situation of his life. So we're going to go to Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 29. And uh, it says, Oh, that they were wise and understood this, that they would consider their end, their latter end. Verse number 31, For their rock is not our rock, even as our enemies be uh, uh, them judges. And it continues down, let's go through 35. He said, For their vine is the vine of Sodom in the fields of Gomorrah. Their grapes are, uh, anyway, we'll get it there somewhere. There we go. Their clusters are bitter. The wine is the poison of dragons, the cruel venom of ass. There's not this laid up in store with me. Now watch this. Is not this, what's he talking about? All this sin, all this wickedness, this vine of Sodom and Gomorrah, this perversion, this violence, this wickedness. He said this. Look what it said in verse 34. Is not this laid up in store with me? What does it say in Romans chapter 2? They're treasuring up. They're building an account of God's wrath upon him and God's vengeance. It's increasing. And sealed among my treasures. Verse 35, watch this. To me, God speaking here, belongeth vengeance and recompense. These are words that you read in 1 Thessalonians, or 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Their foot shall slide when? In due time. This is what we gotta keep in mind. This is a truth God wants you to know. God, when are you gonna get them? God, when are they going to get back what, uh, paid back for what they've done? And we have a tendency of God, that devil say, God's not moving and you need to move. You need to do something about it. God wants to keep you out of that trap. He said in due time, for the day of their calamity is at hand. The things that shall come upon them make haste. We'll go to verse 39 right now. Kind of move on down through there. Verse 39 in the same chapter. See now that I, even I am he, and there is no God with me. I kill and make alive better know that in your Bible. I wound and I heal. Neither is there any that can deliver out of my hand. Nobody can deliver themselves out of the hand of God's judgment and God's vengeance upon sin. For I lift up my hand to heaven and say, I live forever. What if I, if I wet my glittering sword and mine hand take hold on judgment? I will render vengeance to mine enemies and will reward them that hate me. I had a man put on Facebook yesterday, a little, little old comment on there that uh, uh, I put a, a Sunday school lesson that Van had on. And it was good. This guy puts on a deal there about that. It sounds like a cult to me. Uh, and he goes something about God. Ugh. There's a lot of God haters in the United States. I mean, there are people that absolutely hate God. There's a lot of uh, uh, social media stuff here that on, on their group, you cannot mention God. If you mention God, they'll take you off right now. They don't want anything to do with their God haters. And I'm going to tell you something. God says, I'm going to reward them that hate me. Look at verse 42. I will make mine arrows drunk with blood. My sword shall devour flesh and that with the blood of the slain and of the captives from the beginning of revenges upon the enemy. Oh, re rejoice, O ye nations, 
and, and uh, oh, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants. Where was the apostle Paul getting the truth that he knew about this issue, issue in 2 Thessalonians? He knew his Bible. And the Holy Ghost was reaffirming and speaking through Paul to reaffirm this truth to God's people that the enemies of God will someday pay, their, pay for their hatred and their rebellion against God Almighty. And I'm telling you now, if you're listening to me lost, you better perk up your ears yeah. because the wrath of God is against you. It's on you right now. It's not mm -hmm. going to be, it is already. And you're in big trouble, more trouble than you can imagine. Amen. God is not messing with people. He gave his son and he'll freely save you and won't cost you anything. But if you reject that, there's nothing left for you. Except the vengeance of Almighty God. This is not the God that America is preaching in most churches today. They do not preach the vengeance of Almighty God nor the wrath of God. And thus people have no fear of the Lord. They, they expect God to understand that I'm just human after all. But God clearly, uh, this is tough language about taking his sword and being bathed in blood. It's not, this is, this, this is rough, rough stuff. When you think about being cast into the lake of fire forever and ever, right. yeah. that's vengeance. Amen. And by the way, God's the one who gets, somebody says, well, I don't think God's fair. God's the one who determines, it's not fair. We don't want fairness, you want justice. Right. Right. Nowhere in the Bible does it teach to be fair with people. Fairness is just a human idea about what's right or wrong. And it's, it'll always be off. I'll give you an example of that. Jesus, they, them guys come out to him. One guy had went early part of the day to work. Another guy come midday. Another guy come just right before they quit. They all got the same money and they got mad at him. He said, isn't it mine to do with what I want? That's what you agreed to. Yeah. But everybody nowadays would say, well, that wasn't fair. Right. Don't, don't, don't play with fairness. It'll mess you up. All right, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter, uh, oh, no, let's go to Psalms 58, verse number 10. Psalms 58. And verse number 10, the righteous shall rejoice when he seeth the vengeance. He shall wash his feet in the blood of the wicked. Woo! Can I tell you, it's good for your kids to know God. It'll be good for your kids to know God. Very seldom you ever hear this even mentioned in Christianity anymore. That we need an old time fear of God. People, a nation with the fear of God don't have to lock their doors much at night because right. the people have a fear of God. They're not worried about cops catching them. They're worried about what God knows about them. Yeah. Yep. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And we're not talking about God. We've got God all off balance. He swung clear over here in the pendulum of just, he's just a nice old boy up in heaven that understands. And he just understands everything you want to do and how you want to act and feel. That's a powerful verse. Righteous shall rejoice when he seeth the vengeance. This tells you something. God is not against you wanting to see justice done. God said the righteous will rejoice. And you will. In your heart of hearts, you know that wrongs need to be righted. If we're not careful, we're losing the whole concept of justice of God in this nation. And in our families. Verse number 11 says, So that a man shall say, Verily there is a reward for the righteous. Verily he is a God that judges in the earth. What's God saying? Don't forget this. 
Don't get in your head that I'm letting it slip, that I'm letting it slide, that I forgot about this, and I'm not going to take care of it. You just remember, don't you ever forget, God's going to judge, God's going to give vengeance, God's going to recompense. You don't have to worry about that. Quit thinking, well, God's forgot about it. Let's go to Psalms 94. Man, this is powerful. Oh, Lord God, to whom vengeance belongeth. Oh, God, to whom vengeance belongeth. Show thyself. You know what David was doing? He's crying out. He said, God, you know, I, I'd like to see vengeance. You're going to let, do something, God, do something. You probably cried out that way in your heart too. You probably said something in your heart, God, how long are you going to let this go on? Lift up thyself, O judge of the earth. Render reward to the proud. Verse number three. Here's a great verse you need to get in your heart. Lord, how long shall the wicked, how long shall the wicked triumph? I look at America today. Now I see all the rot and the garbage and the stupidity and it just looks like everything is wicked has got the high road and the stronghold on things. It seems like the strongholds are in education, they're in the media, the media is run by the wicked, education is run by the wicked. Even religion seems like it's just the wicked. Every time you turn around, it just seems like they're in control of everything. Lord, how long shall the wicked triumph? Yeah. Now, how long shall they utter and speak hard things and all the workers of iniquity boast themselves? They break in pieces thy people, O Lord, and afflict thine heritage. They slay the widow and the stranger and murder the fatherless. Yet they say the Lord shall not see it, neither shall the God of Jacob regard it. They got this attitude, God don't see nothing. God, didn't, it, it, God ain't going to do nothing about it. We, let's just read on through it. Verse number eight, understand ye brutish among the people, and ye fools, when you be wise. He that planted the ear, shall he not hear? He that formed the eye, shall he not see? He that chasteneth the heathen, shall he not correct? He that teacheth man knowledge, shall he not know? The Lord knoweth the thoughts of man, that they are vanity. Blessed is the man whom thou chastenest, O Lord, and teacheth him out of the law, that thou mayest give him rest from the days of adversity until the pit be digged for the wicked. What? Back that up. That thou mayest give him what? Rest. What was the word in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1? Rest. You rest, let God take care of it. Until what? The pit be digged for the wicked. It's coming. For the Lord will not cast off his people, neither will he forsake his inheritance. But judgment shall return unto the righteousness, unto righteousness, and all the upright in heart shall follow it. Who will rise up for me against the evildoers, or who will stand up for me against the workers of iniquity? Unless the Lord had been my help, my soul had almost dwelt in silence. And when I said, My foot slippeth, O mercy, thy mercy, O God, held me up. And the multitude of my thoughts within me, thy comforts delighted my soul. And it says, There shall the throne of iniquity have fellowship with thee, which frameth mischief by law. And if that's not a verse that describes America, I'll eat your dirty socks. Right there it is. We frame law, we frame mischief by law. Yes, sir. Throne of iniquity. You know who's behind all this that's wickedness that's starting to become law in America? Satan, throne of iniquity. They gather themselves against the soul of the righteous and condemn the innocent blood. But the Lord is my defense and my God is the rock of my refuge. And watch this. And he shall bring upon them their own iniquity, and he shall cut them off in their wickedness. Yea, the Lord our God shall cut them off. What's God saying? Payday coming. Don't worry about it. Payday coming. Let's go to Psalms 149, verse number 6. 
2.9, let the high praises of God be in their mouth and the two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishments upon the people, to bind their kings and change their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute upon them the judgment written, this honor have all the saints. Praise you, the Lord. And uh, again, that takes you to the book of Revelation. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 34 and verse number one. Isaiah 34, verse number one. Come near ye nations to hear and hearken ye people. Let the earth hear and all that is there in the world and all things that come forth of it. For the indignation of the Lord is upon all nations and his fury upon all their armies. This is Revelation 19, this the second coming of Jesus Christ. He that he hath utterly destroyed them, he hath delivered them to the slaughter. Their slain shall be cast out and their stink shall come up out of their carcasses and the mountains shall be melted with their blood. All the host of heaven shall be dissolved. Second Peter chapter three, Heaven shall be rolled together as a scroll, and all their hosts shall fall down. The leaf falleth on the vine, falleth fig off the tree. My sword shall be bathed in heaven. Behold, it shall come down upon Aduma and upon the people of my curse to judgment. The sword of the Lord is filled with blood. It is made fat with fatness and with the blood of lambs and goats and the fat of the kidneys ran. For the Lord hath a sacrifice in Bosra and a great slaughter in the land of Aduma. And uh, let's go down to, let's take, we'll just take it on down to verse number 10. And the unicorn shall come down with them and the bullocks with the bulls and their land shall be soaked with blood and their dust made fat with fatness. Now here it is. For it is the day of the Lord's vengeance and the year of recompenses for the controversy of Zion. Right now you are living in, 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 in literally at the time of the controversy of Zion. How many's heard anything about Israel in the news? constantly a controversy over that land and those people. And God says, someday I'm going to take care of it. it you know, it, it, just, it just rolls me to see people out protesting, approving of what Hamas did to those Israeli people. You've got to be pure wicked to be on the side of Hamas. Your heart's not right. I don't care what your name is. You're against God. It ain't funny. The streams thereof shall be turned into pitch, and the dust thereof into brimstone. The land thereof become burning pitch. And he goes up there, not be quenched day or night. And he's talking about, the, of course, the eternal punishment there. Let's go to Isaiah 35, verse number 4. Say to them that have a fearful heart, be strong, fear not. Behold your God. Don't be of a fearful heart. Be strong, fear not. Behold your God will come with vengeance. Even God with recompense, he will come and save you. What's the Bible teaching? I'm a God of vengeance. I'm going to recompense. You don't have to worry about it. Isaiah 59, verse number one. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened. It cannot say, neither is ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities are separated between you and your God. Your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity and your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue has muttered perverseness. None calls for justice nor any pleadeth for truth. They trust in vanity and speak lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. They hatch cockatrices, eggs, and weave the spider's web, and he eateth of their eggs, dieth, and he which is crushed breaketh out into a viper. And by the way, that's, that's a, a, a figurative language that's very, very powerful about how wicked the wicked are. The web shall not become garments, neither shall they cover themselves with their works. Their works are works of iniquity and acts of violence is in their hands. Their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity, wasting and destruction are in their paths. The way of peace have they not known. There's no judgment in their goings. They have not, and they have made them crooked paths. Whosoever goeth therein shall not know peace. 
Therefore is judgment far from us, neither doth justice overtake us. But we wait for light, but behold obscurity, for brightness, but we walk in darkness. We grope for the wall like the blind, and we grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble as noonday as in the night. We're in desolate places of dead men. I say that's a verse that describes the spiritual condition of Mary. We're stumbling like groping like blind men. Yeah. We don't know, but even heavy leaders knows what to do. Let's go on down to, uh, uh, up, let's go on up, guys. Let's take, I mean, I'm sorry, up to verse, about verse number 15, probably, and finish out there. Judgment is turned away backward. Yea, truth falleth that depart from the evil, maketh the pray. The Lord saw it, displeased him, there was no judgment. He saw there was no man and wondered there was no intercession. Behold, therefore, his arm brought salvation to him, his righteousness sustained him. And he put on righteousness as a breastplate and the helmet of salvation upon his head. And he put on the garments of what? vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak and according to the deeds accordingly he will repay fury to his adversaries recompense to his enemies to the islands he will pay recompense and uh, anyway let's go to Isaiah 61 2 and I'm doing this because these prophecies are solid prophecies about God being a God of vengeance, and he will take care of this matter before it's over with. Amen. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. Now here's something interesting. When Jesus went into the temple in, in his earth, when he started his ministry, after coming out of the wilderness temptation, went into the temple, he quoted this verse in the temple. But he did not quote the last part. You can read this in your Bible. This is Isaiah 61. You go to where he quoted it. He left off this part right here. And the day of vengeance of our God. Why did Jesus leave that out when he quoted it? Because that wasn't time yet. He quoted the first part, which was his first coming to die for our sins. But he left that out because that's his second coming. That's why when you're reading your Bible to rightly divide it, even within verses themselves, very important to understand that. Okay. All right, Isaiah 63, 1 through 6. Who is this that cometh from Edom with dyed garments and Basra that is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength, but I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save? Wherefore thou art red in thine apparel, and thy garments are like him that treadeth in the wine fat. I have treaded the winepress alone, and of the people there was none with me, for I will tread them in mine anger, trample them in my fury, and their blood will be sprinkled upon my garments, and I will stain all my remnant. Why? Verse number 4. For the day of vengeance is in mine heart, and the year of my redeemed is come. Jeremiah chapter 20, verse number 12. Jeremiah 20, verse number 12. But, O Lord of hosts, thou triest the righteous, and seest the reins of the heart. Let me see thy vengeance on them. <coughs> what did Jeremiah want? He said, God, I'm tired of it. <coughs> I'm tired of seeing your righteousness trampled. Excuse me, I'm sorry. <coughs> Jeremiah 46:10. <coughs> Jeremiah 46, verse number 10. For this is the day of the Lord God of hosts, <coughs> a day of vengeance, that he may avenge him of his adversaries, and the sword shall devour, and it shall be satiate and made drunk with their blood. For the Lord God of hosts hath the sacrifice in the north country by the river Euphrates. Why am I taking us through this tonight? <clears throat> I want you to know something. It's going to come a payday. 
for all this wickedness that you see and all the wrongdoing and stuff. People, you know, something that really bothers me. People talk about Hitler and boy, he was a mess. He bad. Slaughtered millions of people. And I promise you, the vengeance of God is upon him today. But there's somebody in history that is, is, is worse than Hitler, and that's Joseph Stalin. Joseph Stalin made Hitler look like a Sunday school teacher. But there's a reason that our history books do not hold him up in such a wicked man, and that's because there's a lot of socialist communists that are teaching and writing the textbooks of America. And so they don't want to make him out to be bad. You never hear anybody talking about, oh, you dirty, they'll, they'll say you Nazi, but they won't say you communist, see, to, to a conservative people, see, or Christian people. They hold him up. But that man slaughtered three times the number of people that Hitler did. And I tell you something that really bothers me. Those peasant people over there in those countries are part of it. He literally starved them people to death. I don't know whether you've ever seen. He filmed some of it. He's so sorry. What he did, he sent his commissars in there after they had, after they had gathered their crops by hand. And they forcefully took all their food from them. And they let those people die slow, agonizing death. And they let their children starve, literally starve to death. And Stalin knew he was doing it and gloated in it. There are, there are literally old, old video footages of those, of those Stalinist commissars going through the country and literally digging underneath their homes and bringing out sacks of grain that they had hid to try to hide from them. Starved, it's estimated he starved some 11 million people to death. And everybody talks about Hitler. Yeah, Hitler's pitiful, sick and satanic. I'll tell you another one, Mao Zedong. Just as wicked. But you know what, he's a communist, not a Nazi, so he's okay. Those men were worse than Hitler, but in your history books, you don't read that. They're just kind of, oh, well, you know, the communist revolution in 1917, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to tell you something. Those poor people, have you thought about? What if you lived over there? We had a missionary over here one time when the, when the thing turned back there in the 90s. His grandpa had had his farm taken away by the communists. They killed his horses and stole his harnesses and everything that he farmed with. I forget what his name was. Anybody remember it right now? He's, huh? George Portia, we, we support him, I believe, still do. He and my dad talked a lot. My dad was an avid, avid hater of communism. And George Portia stayed with my mom and dad some, and him and dad had long talks some. My dad, my dad liked him so much that he offered to send, give him his 1010 John Deere tractor, but it cost too much to ship it, so they didn't do it. But when he came back, when communism got rid of him, when they hung Kokoski over there and got rid of him, went back down to the farms. And they had literally run those people off of their farms, hauled them out of there, tied them up, took them up, and if they made slaves out of them over in, the, what do you say, cold country. And he talked about all the stuff, how they stole their farms from them, stole everything that's worth anything from them, or just made it where it's useless. I'm telling you right now, did you ever wonder about those people? And George had this deal in him. It was hard. He, had, he, had, he had gotten saved and come over here to a Bible college, called a priest, went back to his own country and as a missionary and a church planter there in, um, what's the name, what is that country? Uh, huh? 
Romania, I believe. I believe it's Romania. But it, you could see the heaviness on him of what the communists had done back there in the 40s to those people when the Iron Curtain fell. And nobody wants to talk about it. Churchill tried to warn the West what was happening, but nobody wanted to talk about it. We're tired of war. We don't want to, we don't want to think about what's going to happen to them people. Here's what I'm telling you. If that had happened to you, would you ever wonder, Lord, are you ever going to do anything about this injustice that's been done to us? <clears throat> I'm going to say something tonight, and it's just the flat truth. I don't think it's any secret to a lot of people that there's a lot of black people in America that are bitter. You can sense it in them. And one of the reasons they're bitter is because of slavery. Just a fact of it. And it takes the grace of God for black people to get over the fact that their ancestors were abused and abused. And unless you kind of try to put yourself in their position and say, you know, the one reason I, I kind of understood it was because of dear old brother, um, somebody helped me out getting old fields talking to me about his grandpa being sold up here at Sedalia, Missouri, and his entire family. And how they tried to separate him, but his grandpa cut such a fit when they sold, one man bought the grandpa, his grandpa, and another man bought his grandma and the kids. And he went wild. And they had to subdue him. And the man who owned them and sold him said, if you don't let that, if you don't keep the family together, he'll never stay. And what he said was this, he said, Reggie, what bothers me is, is that back then my grandpa was a slave, sold in Sedalia, Missouri, and he fought as a slave to keep his family together. And now black men don't even want to have a family. They just want to live and not, not, he said he loved his wife and his children so much so that he threw a fit to the point of where they kept them together. But now we won't even keep our families together. But what you've got going is, is these communists and these socialist teachers are feeding this bitterness in black people. Right. We need to understand where they're coming from. I don't believe in reparations. I don't own a slave and none of my ancestors owned a slave. And I'm telling you, I do not believe in reparations. Amen. That be the case, let's all get in on it because we've all got a tag somewhere. That's not going to solve the problem. Giving money and so forth is not going to solve the problem. But I will say this to you, that if you don't get this biblical principle down, you know what it takes for a black person to get over bitterness toward white culture? Is this right here. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I'll repay. Amen. Did somebody buy and sell my, my ancestors and treat them like dogs and work them like cattle? He lived high on the hog while they treated him like dirt or worse. You said here tonight, if you knew that your grandpa or grandma had been treated that way, be hard for you not to want vengeance. You need to understand that. The answer to it is not social programs and more money. The answer to it is to know Jesus Christ and that someday, not just them, but every person that has been done wrong in this world will be recompensed by a mighty God. But it's his vengeance. And if you try to take it in your hands, you'll become bitter and hate everybody because you're trying to do what only God has a right to do. Yeah. And I use those illustrations to, to press this thing home because you can come to church every Sunday, but there's something happened back there in your life. You were done dirty like a dog. They walked off of you and treated you like filth. And they wouldn't have cared what happened. They didn't care what happened to your life. And if you're not careful, that vengeance, that desire for justice and vengeance will eat you alive. 
And it's everywhere. It's in every culture to some extent, some way. And God knows this. That's why I'm doing all these verses. God wants you over and over and over again. Listen to me. Those Israeli people right here, they were going to be taken into slavery. They were going to have their daughters sold. They were going to have their sons made eunuchs. They were going to be treated like filth and cattle and cats and dogs. And God is telling them, have faith. Believe me, I'm going to render justice someday. Vengeance is not yours, it's mine. I will repay. God is, wants us to free us from this junk. And I, I'd like to be first in line. Because if you don't think Satan doesn't bring stuff to me that people have done to me, lied on me. I've had every kind of lie told on me that you can imagine this country. And it gets tiresome. And you get to thinking, you know, God, when are you going to bring, bring this junk to, to, to truth? When, when's the truth going to come out? Yeah. If you're not careful, just that little bitty kind of suffering, which is nothing compared to what people in history have done and experienced, can ruin your joy and your peace and your comfort. But when I remember, you know what? God's going to get it. It's going to be all right. Yeah. And it can change my whole attitude when I think about that he will bathe his sword in their blood. Yeah. That they're going to an eternal lake of fire unless they repent. Yeah. It almost makes me want to have compassion. And for them not to have to have judgment visited upon them. And a hope that they'll turn to Christ. It changes our whole being inside of who we are. Just this one concept. Well, let's go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Look at this. Recompense. There's that word, recompense. Getting vengeance yourself. To no man evil for evil. Remember that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, up there about verse 12 or somewhere, he said, render to no man evil for evil. He's, way, he's weaving this into the heart of these Christian people. I, I hate to say this, but until the Holy Spirit began to kind of open my eyes to the scripture that I was reading, and just to be honest with you, I was at my desk and I stopped and I said, Lord, forgive me for not praying before I started studying. Lord, I need you to see what you need, want me to see. And it's like, Lord, just said, Reggie, there is something I want you to see that you don't see. You don't see the deepness of the real doctrine of the vengeance of God that they needed in those days to hold them and give them faith and comfort and strength and even charity when they were being persecuted and killed and, and going through all kinds of tribulation. And the reason you don't see it, Reggie, is because you're not in that kind of pressure. But Reggie, the truth is, there's things happen to you that you have a hard time getting over. That you've thought about personal vengeance. Or at least it has destroyed your joy and your peace. And Reggie, I don't want that for you, but how can you lead that congregation to where you're not at? And so it means a lot to me. It really does. I mean, I don't know. It means a lot to me. And so I started studying it out. I was like, my land of living. It's a major doctrine in the Bible. It's a major issue for Christian people for God's people, Amen. that God does not want us stirred up and destroyed by a attitude of vengeance that actually belongs to him. Romans chapter 12, verse 17, he said, but if it be possible as much as life, then you live peaceably with all men. I'm glad it said if possible. Dearly beloved, here it is. What's it say? Avenge not yourselves. 
You know where I see a lot of vengeance going on? Where I've observed the most vengeance in 40 years of preaching? Divorces. Non-stop vengeance toward the former spouse. I've had to deal with it a lot. So you hear me pray, Lord, don't let there be any divorces in our church. There's a reason. Because it never ends. When you walk out of the courthouse, it never ends. And you might get grace to go on, and many people have, and I, we pray that everybody will. But I'm telling you something. What I have had to deal with and seen so much is a nonstop, under the, under the rug attempt at vengeance toward what we felt like was done wrong. It's, it's, it's not just about people being fed the lines. It's about everyday life. It's about bills not being paid. I appreciate Bill saying, and I believe Bill. I, I think you just have to come to that, don't you, Bill? Give it to God. Let's continue here in verse number uh, 19. Dear beloved, avenge not yourself. Rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, there it is, what? Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. For God not to do it, he'd have to be a liar. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, do what? Feed him. <laughs> Changes your whole attitude about your enemy. If he thirsts, give him drink. For in doing so, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. And that's not talking about making him miserable. That's a comfort thing. That was a blessing back in that day. People would stop on their journey and you give them coals for their pan. They carry the pole and hit. So in doing, you're a blessing to them. Cold. If you were traveling tonight and somebody gave you something to keep warm while you're traveling outside, that'd be a blessing to you. That's what that, that is not about what, what's been made to be about. Oh man, I'll put coals, I'll put burning coals on their head. I'll be nice to them. That, think that through. That is not scriptural. That is not the spirit of Christ. To say, well, I'll get him. What you, you know what you're doing when you say that? You're taking vengeance in your head. I'm going to put burning coals on his head. I'll show him. I'll be nice to him. That's not scriptural. Get rid of it. Throw it out. That passage is about being a blessing to people. You go back and study that thing out. They, it was always about somebody who, you know, putting, giving somebody something to keep warm with was a blessing. If you were out there cold and traveling to give you a coat, give you a pair of battery heated socks. <laughs> you know what? That's the idea is being a blessing to them, helping them when they're down and out <coughs> and having no hard time. Be not to overcome evil, but overcome evil with good. All right, let's go to uh, Hebrews 10.30. Hebrews 10.30, for we know him that has said vengeance belongs to me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord should judge his people. It is a fearful thing to haul in the hands of the living God. How many get the idea that this is pretty well soaked through all the way through the Bible? This isn't just something just kind of casually, scarcely mentioned. This is a big, big deal <clears throat> for our peace, for our comfort. I would like for all of you young people to really get this down your heart because you're going to get done dirty. You're going to get done dirty. I'm sorry to tell you. Some of you may marry somebody and they turn out to be a dead gum wolf. Something you never dreamed you was marrying. And they treat you like the filth of the earth. If you're not careful, it'll make you bitter the rest of your life. I pray that don't happen to start with. Amen. But it has happened. Amen. I've seen some of the sweetest young people I ever knew in my life. 
get hooked up with somebody and thought it was going to be great, turned out to be, a, I mean, a filthy wolf. And get treated like trash. I mean, throw you out like they would you, uneaten food at the back of the restaurant. When you get treated like that, it's hard to get over. And what I'm saying is, if you don't have a hold of this truth, the devil's going to have a picnic with you. So when it comes, in whatever way it comes, I pray that does not happen to any of you. I, that is, I don't want that to happen. But however it may happen, you may be happily married to somebody and you and your spouse and somebody, a family member may cheat you like nobody's business. I mean, it, so there's weird, wild stuff happens every day. And if you're not careful, you know, they need to pay for what they did. They need to pay for what they did. They need to pay. It's not right for them to get by with that. And if you don't care, God knows it'll eat us up. Well, let's go to Jude verse number seven. And we're going to be done here with scriptures in just a little bit. Jude verse number seven. If we can get that. Jude verse number seven. I could turn over there myself if I wasn't so lazy, huh? Jude verse number seven. Here, even as Sodom and Gomorrah, watch this, watch this. And the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication, going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering what? What was God doing when he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah? Vengeance. What was it? They were destroying people. They were hurting people. Let me just tell you about sodomy and all this perversion. It is the seedbed for all child molestation, for all child trafficking. And God took vengeance. He heard the cry. Did you ever read it? He heard the cry of Sodom. And God took vengeance. God gave them a space to repent, but they would not repent. And God exercised vengeance. And he's saying this, they are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion. And it goes on. Uh, You can write this down. We're not going to go to the text tonight for time's sake. Revelation 19, verse 11 through 16 is the event written on the Bible of this eternal vengeance. And then Revelation chapter 20, with the great white throne judgment and the casting of the lake of fire is the finality of the eternal. You know what? You know what the lake of fire is? You know what hell is? It's the eternal vengeance of Almighty God. That's what it is. It's the eternal vengeance of God. Mark it down in your soul. God is going to bring everything and everybody into judgment. That needs to be preached in this country. I'll finish up tonight. I want you to put up um, a passage of scripture, guys, if you will. Uh, 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse number 3. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1. I want to show you something tonight. Why you need to let God have vengeance. And you can be an old man, you can be an elderly man at my age, and have this problem. I'm going to prove it to you in the Bible. Youth or middle age, there's no age group that is, uh, escapes this trap of personal vengeance. Watch this verse. And David sent and inquired after the woman, and one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Now go to 2 Samuel chapter 23. Now keep that in mind. 
that you know what this scene is here. This is when David took, the Bible said, Bathsheba. All right. In 2 Samuel chapter 23, these be the last words of David, the son of Jesse. Go to verse number 34. Verse 34. Uh, I've got the wrong deal here. Is that chapter 23? Verse 34. Let me get my Bible out. How about that? I'll find the right one. Is it the right one? Yeah, it is. Thank you, Sam. I appreciate it. Eliphalet, the son of Ashabah, the son of Machaethite, whatever that, watch this, Eliam, the son of Ahithophel. So what have you got? You have found out by looking at these scriptures, Bathsheba's family. Her father's name was Eliam. Her grandpa's name was Ahithophel. All right, now go to... Uh, 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse number 12. Now watch this. Second Samuel, and Absalom sent for Ahithophel the Gilanite, David's counselor. Where you're at right now, David <clears throat> has, uh, Absalom is overthrowing David and chased him off the throne. He's in rebellion against David and has run David off the throne. Ahithophel was David's counselor. The Bible says in that same chapter that when he spoke, it was as the oracles of God. He was so powerful in his counsel and he was David's counselor, but he was also had a granddaughter by the name of who? Bathsheba. David had done what with Bathsheba? Committed adultery and had her husband killed made her part of his harem. So you know what? Ahithophel is David's counselor. He is Bathsheba's grandpa. And David does this to his granddaughter and her husband, his grandson-in-law. Now I want to ask you men tonight, how many of you think granddaughters are pretty neat? I don't see all that many grandpas in here, so you're too young here. Is anybody, who all's got a granddaughter? Phil, you got a granddaughter. Kind of nice, ain't they? You'd kind of take up for them, wouldn't you? You'd probably die for them. Anybody else got any granddaughters? Wait till you have a granddaughter. <laughs> I may tell you. This was Ahithophel's granddaughter that David just abused, basically. Had her husband killed. And guess what? Time goes by, and as far as Ahithophel's concerned, nothing happens. Where's God? Why don't God do something? Oh, okay, he's the king. He gets by with this garbage, huh? When is God going to do something about this that he done to my granddaughter and my grandson, my grandson-in-law? And let me tell you what Ahithophel did. He fell into a Satan's trap. As wise as that man was, you listen to me, he fell into a satanic trap right here. And when Absalom rebelled, Ahithophel immediately joined himself to Absalom, so much so 
that when Absalom made his entrance into Jerusalem, Ahithophel was by his side. You know what he's doing? He was declaring to all Israel, I am allegiant to Absalom and I am with him on the rebellion and David needs to go and I'm with Absalom and I'm going to do all I can to help him achieve his goal. Then they get into Jerusalem. Watch this. Watch what happens. Vengeance. What, what is vengeance? It's payback. They come in Jerusalem. The first piece of advice Ahithophel gives David is what? David has 10 concubines up here. Go in the sight of all Israel and lay with those concubines. Wait a minute. What had David done with his daughter? His daughter was on a, his granddaughter was on a roof when he saw her. He tried to do it in secret. And so Ahithophel says, it's payback time, David. Your son is going to lay with your concubines in the sight of all Israel. You did it secretly. We're going to do this publicly. And Absalom took his advice. What was Ahithophel? What was his counsel? Vengeance. I'll make David pay. He, he messed with one woman. I'll have his son messing with 10. Yeah. I have somebody messing with his women. You know what Ahithophel had decided? In his knowledge of scripture, in his, all of that, God has not moved in taking vengeance, so I'm going to put it in my own hands. The next thing he counseled him was to kill David. So much so that he said, we will find him. And if he's in a city or a hole or a pit or anywhere, we're going to take all the people of Israel and we're going to grab him. And if he's in a city, we'll take a rope and drag that city to the ground. In other words, we will, like they caught Saddam Hussein in a hole. He said, we will find him and we will kill him. What was Ahithophel doing? Vengeance. He killed my son, my grandson-in-law. I'm going to have him killed. Everything he was doing was taking personal vengeance, tit for tat, everything that David had done to him. Well, as you, most of you know the story, when David heard that Ahithophel had betrayed him, quote, and was counseling his son Absalom, he sent Hushiah back there to destroy and, and prayed. And boy, are you talking about prayer? Did you know that David prayed that God would, uh, how did it say anybody help me? That he would cause Ahithophel's counsel not to be listened to, basically. David prayed that, and less than a day, God did it. He caused Absalom not to take Ahithophel's counsel. David prayed that, and God answered his prayer. Well, Hushai gave him this other counsel, which would give David time to escape and get prepared for war. Ahithophel was so smart and so wise that he knew, he saw the game, and he knew that when his counsel was refused, the game was up and Absalom would fail. He knew that. So now everybody tell me what he did. He got on his mule, he rode down to his house, put his house in order, hung himself said the game's up. Now I know that we have a smaller crowd here tonight than normally being, but there'll be a lot of people online. But you know what? This is what God had me to preach. 
Why did God put that in the Bible? Because he's telling you this. You try to take vengeance in your own hands, it's going to wind up a glorified mess. Don't do it. Vengeance is mine. I will repay. Did not God repay David? Oh. Ahithophel, you don't have to repay David. God's going to do it. But he wasn't satisfied with letting God handle it. And it drove him to suicide. Don't ever forget that. When Satan tempts you to say, I'll get him back if it's the last thing I ever do. It may be the last thing you ever do. Let it go. Give it to God. That's why God says over and over and over and over again in the Bible, vengeance is mine. I will repay. You go rest. You live in peace and comfort in knowing that I will do what I said I would do. To not believe that, what happened to Hithophel? His faith fell. He didn't believe God's word anymore. And this is a satanic trap you can get into. Hey, it can happen with you and your in-laws, inside your family. You say, my brother did this, or my sister did this, blah, 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 my daddy did that, or my mama did that, or grandma did that. Last thing I ever did. You figure out a way to get him back. Yeah? Oh, it may not be killing them, but you, you're going to get them somehow or another. What goes around comes around. See? We get that spirit in us. And what we're saying is, God's not moving. I don't believe God will do it. It needs to be done. I'm going to take care of it. Get you. That's my message to you tonight. That's God's message to you tonight from his word. Amen. Let's do not fall into Hithphel's trap. Dangerous. The name of the message tonight was the danger of taking personal vengeance. I forgot to even tell you what it was. Let's stand and go home. What do you say?